Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com superstuff and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com superstuff and get started today. This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Tell me, do you know what day it is, Evie? November the 4th. Not anymore. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, treason, and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. First, the overture. Now the brass. I can hear it. Hello, citizens! Welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. This is the show that remember remembers the 5th of November. The, the gunpowder, the trees, and the plot. Oh, I remember. We know the reason the gunpowder treason. There's no reason be, why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. None. Zero reasons. I know of no reason. This movie is just a long member berry trip. <laughs> yes. 400 sure. years in the making, roughly. Ish. Something like that. V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. 2006 is V for Vendetta? Yeah. Officially? <laughs> I guess. Look how they boned up. They boned up pretty bad in the, the making of this <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're going to put this out on the 5th of November. It'd be great. And they're like, uh, how about St. Patty's Day weekend? Yep, we blew it. It's not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Push. Wouldn't it be cool, the whole mo- thing, the whole date that this movie surrounds? And then, nope. Nah, well. Now we're a St. Patty's movie. Ireland prevails? <laughs> oh, remember, remember. <laughs> You've seen this sucker before, right? Uh, once. Only once. Before this. And it was at a, a gathering where everybody just assumed that everybody had seen the movie and we're just talking over it. And so you this just is really stayed quiet and you're just like, yeah, first... I've seen it. I'm cool. I'm with it. No, it wasn't even like that. It was just like we were watching the movie and people were just talking over it because they just assumed. It's a safe assumption. I feel like everyone's seen this movie for well, some reason. I have now. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Put on your mask, your Guy Fox mask. That's It's time to party. Party we will. Like it's 1605? Yeah. Something like that? What'd you think now they actually saw it? I'm still processing it. I watched it last night and sure. it, there's still a lot to take in. It's uh it's interesting for sure. Yeah. It's uh pretty much if you took a Favreau moment and just left your hands so heavy on the table <laughs> the entire time, but it's like purposeful. Purposeful heavy handedness, yeah. It's like a Hulk smash and just kind of just leave them there. Leave the fist, knuckle in, drag, embedded in the That's ground. It. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a Favreau knuckle drag. <laughs> but it's a great looking movie. Yeah, it's very cool looking. What did you What do you think of it? Uh, I loved it. Okay, I think I really like it now. Mm. I don't know if I love it because there's parts of this thing that drag quite a bit for sure. But I think the exposition that you actually get behind everything and the way that it's broken down in terms of storytelling. 
with the different acts unfolding as they do. Mm. It's kind of neat. It the is way neat. it's laid out there. Yeah. Where it seems like some things are out of left field, like, oh, thanks, now you explain that. But I'm like, no, actually, that's a pretty cool narrative choice. Yeah. I appreciate that. I would have I would have felt like, oh, this is a cop-out if you had done that earlier. So, thank you. Like the whole Rockwood thing. Oh, that whole right, thing. right. If you had done that any earlier in the movie, I'd been like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, it was a good reveal. So, this thing's got a English cast, to put it real lightly? Mostly. Minus Natalie Portman? Well, yeah. Well, she's Israeli, technically, but... But technically. American. American. Just to make it easy here. Hugo Weaving, he's... Is he English? Proper? That's a good question. I think so. I always thought he was like Australian or New Zealand. Looking here, he was actually born in Nigeria. No lie. April 4th, 1960. He's Nigerian. Ibidan, Nigeria. Then he lives and works in Australia. So yeah, he's Australian. He's Australian. Fine. And then every English actor ever, ever in the world. All of them. Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry. Yay. Yeah. John Hurt. Yay. Yay. Others. Others. (laughs) (laughs) What is this thing about? In the year 2032. Hold on, let me try that again. In a year. (laughs) The world is in turmoil. The United Kingdom is ruled as a fascist police state by the Norse Fire Party under the High Chancellor Adam Sutler. John Hurt. On November 4th, Evie Hammond, Natalie Portman, is out past curfew. Can't do that. You're not supposed to be out past curfew. There's rules in a fascist state. you got to follow them. Fascism is, if nothing else, very against you being out late. Right. That... You should be back in your bed. They're going to arrest her and put her in with a full trial and everything. Uh, it's good. They're going to do it by the book. Absolutely. Um, no. The members of the Fingerman Secret Police Force. They're going to take their name real literally. Try to rape her? Yeah. She's rescued by a Guy Fawkes masked vigilante <laughs> like he's from Boston. <laughs> Guy Fawkes. He calls himself V. Straight out of Goodwill Hunting. How do you like them apples? <laughs> V brings Evie to a rooftop where at the stroke of midnight, London's criminal court, the Old Bailey, is demolished amidst fireworks and Tchaikovsky's 1812 overture. Yeah. The Chancellor's cabinet meets and the Chancellor decides that the destruction of the Old Bailey will be announced as an emergency demolition. He tells his shady ass team to find out who the man in the mask is, but Evie's easy to identify and quickly discovered thanks to video surveillance and the Chancellor demands her capture and interrogation. Pretty much says, find a girl with the clearly fake accent. Find her. <laughs> find that one. The giant head on the wall is like, get her. How do you think of that setup? It's really cool looking. Yeah. But like, it's like, he's got five dudes. That's his whole thing. Yeah, well, the way that it's set up is that those are the different branches right. of, I guess, intelligence, if it makes sense. Yeah, there's the police, the secret police. No, not not so much. Is You have... <laughs> Different things that they all do. So you have the finger. Right. You have that's the secret police. You have the nose. That's the police. That is the still investigators right now. You have they're all the police. They're different things that they do though. You also have like the ears. You have the eyes. It's all those like surveillance type surveillance things. and the audio surveillance. Yeah. yeah, they all fall under the same. You know, thing. I don't think they're part of police though. I think they're like I don't think they're, they're surveillance for what it's worth. They're the Patriot Act, more or less. <laughs> and then there's the mouth. Which is not part of the police. It's the propaganda unit. He's part of broadcast. all this, though. But he's part of this group of five dudes. Right. And he does the talking for whatever fascist state this is. The next day, while Inspector Eric Finch is investigating Evie, he's one of the guys on that council of weirdos, V is breaking into the BTN studio, which just happens to be where Evie works. Hey! Convenience! Hey, we got one. We got a, something that doesn't need to happen. That <laughs> happened. 
The news is about to dispel this emergency demolition propaganda, and V interrupts the broadcast to claim responsibility and to encourage the people of Britain to rise up against their government and meet him next year on the 5th of November outside the Houses of Parliament. I like how he sets that up, like, not going to do it tomorrow. Right. One year. 365 days. Of planning? Kind of just hanging out, really. Really just waiting. Yep. He already knows well enough that this is what's going to happen. So Just trust me on this one, guys. He's just like, hang out for a year. But see you next year. I like how he still has to get out of BTN. Oh, BTN yeah. is not not good at the news, by the way. They're very bad at the news. No, they're very bad at the news. They're very they're uh their their lead anchor, I guess you could call him, is Louis Prothero. Louis Prothero. Prothero. Yeah, he's Alex Jones. More or less. <laughs> I kinda took him Okay, hold on. <laughs> I was gonna say I kinda took him as a Hannity. But here's the, oh, okay. the issue with this whole entire movie, uh, you might be able to hear the eggshells underneath us as they're going through this. <laughs> this is a very political movie. Very much. That has, they're not undertones when they're out in the open about everything, right? No, no, there's no undertones at all. No, the subtlety in this movie is not. So <laughs> Not. Uh, we're we're going to try to do this as non-political as possible. Yeah, we're going to. It is tricky. We'll try. And you'll hear in the one-star reviews, people got real mad. <laughs> Finch has the opportunity to stop V before he escapes, but he's hit from behind by Evie right in the noggin. Look at that. Forming a partnership already. Yeah, that's how it's done. Right? Just smack him he's in the head. Right out of convenience. Bam. V- wouldn't, he wouldn't have gotten hurt. We learn later, probably wouldn't have gotten hurt. Not in this version. Nope. <laughs> v takes Evie to his home, which is like a weird basement Dungeon art museum. The Shadow Gallery. The Shadow Gallery. Pretty awesome looking set. It's really cool. He keeps lots of pieces of art and culture that have been confiscated by Norsefire. And he tells Evie, you got to stay here for the, the whole year. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. You saved me, but now I have to kidnap you, but yeah. like in a friendly way. Right. Like a friendly kidnapping. Like, hey, remember when I brought you up on the roof? Like, I knew people would probably see your face when they were looking at the surveillance footage. Yeah, they can't I, see my face. I got this mask. Wearing this guy Fox mask. Why did he even bring her up there to begin with? I'm not sure. I think he just just, made an accomplice. He just wanted someone to hang out with for the year. Right. Hey, everybody, look how cool I look. (laughs) She's not happy. No, she's pretty pissed. But she comes around to it when she tastes butter. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) It's all sucks. It's just all the problems going. She hasn't had butter since she was little. Oh, man. Confiscated. Butter. I'm not even mad at you anymore. Nope. I'll stay here for a year if you got butter. (laughs) You're going to keep giving me butter? I'm hanging out. So V kills Louis Prothero? Prothero. Prothero. Nailed it. First try. Kills him in the shower. Weirdest looking shower I've ever seen in my life. Well, it's got so many TVs with his oh, face on yeah, it. Yeah, but he's like going through his own like monologue yeah. as he's going on. And he's just fired up. He's just. That's a guy who's gotten off to himself. Vibing way too, to his own too many script. Times. Yeah, that's uh, probably. Probably. Oh, that's weird. Very weird. Very weird. Then he also goes and kills Bishop Anthony Lilliman. Who's a very, very bad man. And both times he leaves a rose on A them. rose. Kingpin style. Oh, yeah. I didn't even draw the... You're right. Yeah. Like, just like the Kingpin. Scarlet pen. Carson. That's the type of rose. Not a real rose. Extinct in World War I, according to Alan Moore. Well, that's the, the violet rose or whatever it's called, right? What? The, the version of rose he uses in the, in the book is real. It's a violet something. Uh, maybe. 
I literally just read it. I didn't research the botany on it. Yeah, and then the Scarlet one they renamed because the movie sounded better because it was red <laughs> verbally. And then, uh, but that one's not real. Fair enough. Who Alan knows? Moore, Alan Moore, and David Lloyd. Yeah, we got ourselves another Alan Moore. Another Alan Moore, and you wouldn't know it by watching the credits or anything. Nope, he took his name. All sorts of off of this thing. Man, he really hates his books being made into movies. He does, but he wants like just, it has to be like almost frame by frame. Yeah, but even then he doesn't like it. And even then he's like, that's stupid. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone with green. <laughs> I don't know how he thinks. He's a, he's a madman. Green a is not brilliant, a brilliant genius color. madman. But it's funny because David Lloyd actually said, this is actually a pretty good adaptation. He's like, it's yeah, not I'll, the exact message. It's pretty good though. It's like, I like it. Yeah. And I'm getting paid, so. Good for him. <laughs> and he's getting a writer credit, and Alan Moore's not. So Right, right. So good on you, David Lloyd. Evie offers to help V with the attack on the bishop, but is secretly using it to escape from V's custody. Yeah, she dresses up as a little girl. Yeah, which makes me wonder, did, did V just have this costume hanging around in the, in the little basement there? It's possible. Natalie Portman's way too old for this role, by the way. Because Evie's supposed to be around 15. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And even that's too old for the bishop? Yeah, it gets weird because there's stuff later on that happens that it's weird when, if she's only like oh, 15 yeah. or 16. So we'll get there. We'll get there. That's gross. Evie does escape, and she runs to her boss's house, Gordon Dietrich, played by Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry's awesome. He's great. I'm a big fan. I've always appreciated him. He takes her in, and this is one of the, I mean, it's a minor character, but it is actually one of the more larger changes that they made. Between the comic and the, the movie? Oh, yeah? Yeah, because in the movie, Gordon is a gay man. He says that if, like, you get to be yourself, all these people get to be themselves, but right. if, I, if I wanted to, like, keep my own company, then they would drag me out of here with a black bag over my head. Right. And as it goes. <laughs> but in the comic, him and Evie have a thing. A they thing? Get, yeah, they get all romance and sexy and all and, that stuff. And she's 15. That's how it goes in that one, unless she's 16 at the time because it's the year span or whatever it is. I don't know if the year plays into it so much. Right. But I mean, the characters are so different in that. Yeah. In the movie, she says it's been seven weeks. So she's 15 and seven weeks. That I don't know. How, I don't know. I don't know how any of that works. I don't know how birthdays work. <laughs> once a year, Brian. Once huh. a year. Got it. <laughs> it's that one. We'll talk about the characters after we go through all this because it is packed. Gordon is also hiding contraband forbidden by the government, like artwork and a, and a Koran. And he is so proud of it, too. And he's like, like, check out all my stuff. I know you're literally wanted for helping blow up the old Bailey, but you are the least of my worries here. <laughs> right, right. Like, if they find you, you're fine. You are totally fine. I'm fine. That's, yeah. They find this Koran. I am done, buddy. Yeah. Meanwhile, V confronts Dr. Delia Surridge who had experimented on him and other undesirables at Lark Hill Concentration Camp. Yeah, uh, here's your plot. Yeah. We got there. We got there. About an hour in. <laughs> she seems like she's remorseful, but she's dead with a rose on her anyway. Don't brush over that one. That's a gorgeous scene. That is so well done the way they go, because she takes out her journal from her closet, and yeah. she's like, I'm going to leave this here and go through it. Obviously, She knows she's in the wrong, because people are dying who she was associated with at this Lark Hill thing. Right. And she realizes V's in the room with her as she wakes up and she says, I knew it was you. Once I saw the flower, like I couldn't, I didn't know until I saw that flower, I knew it was you. And she starts talking to him as just a human because she knows that this is the end. Right. Like she's about to die. Well, but she also got yeah. involved because she wanted to help. And then it, things turned bad while she was there. Yeah, it broke bad. It, we've all been there. Yeah. 
With the RV and the underwear. And the the blue meth and the chili pee. But you can't put the chili pee in. But it's my signature. It's a signature, man. It's a signature. Stupid teachers. So she says, are you here to kill me now? And he says, yeah, betch. (laughs) (laughs) I killed you 10 minutes ago, betch. Already did it. Already done been did. Yeah. But I like how she even says, like, is it meaningless for me to apologize? And he says, never. No. Like, that's a beautiful moment. Yeah. It's very nice. It's one of the rare human moments in this movie. <laughs> it's, yeah, all behind that Fox mask. I got to kill you now because I got to go watch his socks. <laughs> socks down at the park. Oh, I was talking about this to this guy about the socks. Guy socks. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the same mask, but it's got the David Ortiz beard. Of course it does. <laughs> it's doing steroids, but we all overlook it. That one? I don't, that same I don't mask? think that happened. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> Gordon performs a satire of the government on his TV show, which is a big no-no when you're dealing with fascists. Uh, it's a big no-no even when you're not. Yeah, like, but, it, this is a deeper cut than that because he goes full-blown Benny Hill with Yakety Sacks, which is amazing. <laughs> but then he does this whole thing with V tying the shoes together, like all cartoon-like with the exploding cigar. And at the end of it, he does the clone bit of like there's two right. chancellors in this, and then they both get shot. Yeah, You can't do that even now. Even in a satire, that doesn't work. I think you could probably get away with it in a satire. I'm not sure you can. You go try it and tell me how it's going to work. Okay. Post it on YouTube. (laughs) I'm not going to get like a bunch of kickback like I'm Kathy Griffin or something. I don't have enough people who like me. (laughs) I mean, it's Kathy Griffin. Even pre that. (laughs) But we said we weren't going to do it. Right. Serious face. Serious. Van Damme. Also starts with V. Sure does. He would fit right in here. Van Damme for Vendetta. I'd watch it. I would too. It'd be so good. Him doing the V speech at the beginning of this thing in his like French accent. Oh, would with be the, wild with all the V's with the oh man. How many takes you got to do this on that one? We'd still be there. This movie would be shot in 2005, and that scene would still be getting filmed today. And then they would still have to dub over it afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? How Hugo Weaving had to do office lines twice because of the mask. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate, but I guess he. Probably nail it the second time, right? You'd think, but this is such a crazy character because you obviously don't get any emotion from the character's face at all. Right. But yet you do. Yeah, well, you they still do get lighting tricks. and They do lighting tricks, and the acting underneath is really, really good in order to portray anything. Hugo but Weaving. It is, but it's just amazing to me how you actually get emotion from an inanimate object. Yeah. Which is what the mask is. That is so neat. There's still a whole body behind it, but I know what you mean. You don't get a lot of emotion from just the body. It's mostly in the face in order to there's see a lot, sadness and there's happiness. There's a, a and, lot happening yeah. with the stupid haircut and the bangs. What are they doing? That's, that's, there's not a lot. They're, They're just sitting there. Wobbling and bobbing back and forth. I don't know. It's a bad haircut. That's all I'm saying. Oh, boy. <laughs> go, go on. Go on with this thing. So naturally, Gordon's house is raided. Evie is captured, imprisoned, and tortured for information about V. She only finds hope within a note written by Valerie Page, an actress who was also imprisoned and tortured there for being a lesbian. When Evie says she'd rather die than reveal V's location, she is set free to find herself back at V's. It was a trap! Not really a trap. It was a lesson. It was, uh, right? Those are the same, right? A lesson. (laughs) I kidnapped you with your knowledge the first time. The second one? You didn't know. Yeah, I uh, I took you from from Gordon's. Also, <laughs> I'm the good guy of this story. Right, apparently, right. <laughs> uh, all I had to do was some light torture, maybe have a rat eat some of your food. I don't know. You know, it's 
typical torture fare. As you do. Apparently, his reasoning was to release her from her fears. Because she said that she didn't want to feel fear anymore. Right. So he did so he's her like, oh, a solid. Let me do you a huge let me, favor. Let me completely here. ruin you as a person. <laughs> so she's pretty mad. Uh, yeah, but she says, Again. I can't feel anything anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> you could have fooled me. <laughs> you seem pretty mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If only he had more of that butter. Oh, man. Can you imagine? That's just the, the move. See, but I have butter. And yeah, she's everyone like, knows it's butter. That's me. <laughs> That's how he gets out of every situation with Evie. That's how they make it the, the relationship work. Right. A little kid from South Park. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but oh, she hamburgers. <laughs> she comes to realize that it did, in fact, set her free from her fears and make her stronger. Sure. But she leaves anyway. Yep. As you do. But he makes her promise to come back. Once before. Once before. This whole thing goes down. The 5th of November. Inspector Finch learns from the doctor's journal that V is the result of human experimentation and is targeting those that detained him. Yeah, and not just detained him, but also created this massive disaster that killed a lot of people. Yeah, it turns out Chancellor Sutler, who at the time was Secretary of Defense, launched the program at Lark Hill, resulting in the creation of St. Mary's virus. The tests proved fatal on all the subjects except for the man in room five. V! It's a Roman numeral! Oh, I get it! <laughs> Though he had near complete loss of memory, he developed quick reflexes and strength. Sure. He's the super serum. Yep. He's yep. Steve Rogers. And then they, mask. they released the virus at St. Mary's School, a tube station, and a water treatment plant, killing over lots. 100,000 civilians. Right. And the reason they did it was to gain power. Right. He's the only one who had the cure. As yes. you do. He had the cure, so <laughs> he's like... How sad is that? They used one of like the weakest plots in any villainous right? it's movie. Like, it's like, oh, I've poisoned you, but I have the antidote. <laughs> <laughs> England prevails! <laughs> or does it? The whole thing is blamed on terrorists, leading to the Norse Fire Party, using fear and chaos to win the election, take control of Parliament and the country. Yeah, and then they got rid of the Union Jack pretty much and made everything Nazi-like. And everyone's like, this is fine, yeah, what's, right? What's it's this? like the dog sitting there with the coffee. <laughs> this is fine. Right. This is fine. But it also kind of looks like a cross. So, like... Yeah, black and red cross. Nothing's evil about that. Nope. Not even a little bit. <laughs> v distributes thousands of Guy Fawkes masks to the public. as they, I'm becoming more and more Peter Griffin every time I say it. <laughs> Guy Fawkes. <laughs> Holy crap, did you see that guy, Fox? <laughs> he distributes a bunch of the masks to the public as they are becoming increasingly disillusioned by the government. A little girl gets shot and the country descends into anarchy. Yeah, because she's running around wearing this mask and whatnot. Right, she's like a little guy, Fox. <laughs> you can't go to Southie. That's the problem when you wear that mask, you can't oh, go to Oh yeah, Southie. you better stay away from there. On the eve of November 5th, Evie returns to visit V. Like she promised. He shows her a train loaded with explosives in the abandoned London underground that will drive straight to Parliament. He leaves it to Evie to decide whether to use it or not. Yeah, it's interesting how he did this whole massive plan, but then he said, it's on you, toots. Yeah. Like, you do you. You it's do like, what you got to do. If you think this is the right move, you go ahead. And he doesn't say, now choose. And then he just crosses his hands. And just, well, yeah, he just says, out and waits. now I'm going to go meet my maker. Right. So, really, it's on you. Like, I'm going to be dedicants real quick here, so, like... Yeah, but I'm going to do one cool choose. thing first, and then I'm going to go die. 
Right. But it's on you. V makes his way through the tunnels to find Creedy. Creedy is one of the five minions of the Chancellor. He's probably like the, the medium bad of this movie. Yeah. And he doesn't do a whole lot except just look creepy. That's it. He doesn't do much. Not as creepy as Eddie Marson. Yeah, he's another guy in this movie. And he's creepy looking. That's it. But he's just creepy Englishmen in this movie who just stare and wear suits in the darkness. That's extra scary to me. Yeah. Suits. At least be comfortable if you're going to be creeping around. Maybe they are. That's even worse. Yeah. I don't they like find these. comfort in fascist. suits. Fascist, man. Fascist fashionistas. <laughs> Gross. The Sounds worst like a trivia kind. team name. It does. <laughs> Basically, V cut a deal with Creedy and said, hey, you bring me that Chancellor guy and I'll let you, you know, keep your spot in the government or whatever when I destroy Parliament. He's he's not going to do that, though. No, and he gets the Chancellor. He gets the Chancellor. And he tells Creedy, do what you got to do. And Creedy ends up killing the Chancellor. Right. Which is cool. Neat little twist there. But like. then Creedy goes, hey, bud, I can't let you walk out of here. He's like, oh, that's going to be a problem because I'm going to strangle you. Yeah, I'm going to kill you with my two hands while all these guys are aiming guns. He says, well, <laughs> after they're done firing, you better hope I'm not standing because they got to reload. And that's when we're going to have issues. And he's like, well, that's impossible. So fire. Yeah, they do. And they light him up. Big time. But he's got like a trash can lid or something underneath his shirt. He's Marty McFly, Back <laughs> to the Future Part 3. He's totally fine. He's not fine. He's but not still, fine. Uh, um, I like when he goes down, you see him stumbling. He never goes down. Never goes all the way Stays down. Stays standing. Right. And then he just looks up and says, my turn. My turn. And Which is great. Then one of the coolest scenes ever happens. Yeah, he accesses the speed force. Yeah. And we actually get to see that enhanced whateverness. Wachowski's touch. That's he, what I like to think oh, it is on yeah. this one. Big time. Fresh off the Matrix. Had to say it. Legit this time. I mean, it was still a few years later. No, this this one's legit fresh off. I mean, if you count the sequels. I do. Oh, no. I mean. No, you're I, talking the good one. When I say fresh off the Matrix, I mean 1999's The Matrix. That's fair. <laughs> fair enough. I was going to say, because Matrix Evolutions only came out in 2003. And then they went into filming this thing. Right. So. They wrote the script for this in like the 90s. Yeah. Before they did The Matrix. Well, I mean, it's been around since the little 80s. Right. So, I mean, it's They didn't not like write it's the new. first script of it. No. No, no, no. But anyway, V goes all super fast mode and stabs a bunch of dudes. It's really cool. There's something really awesome about knife play. When Especially it's done when right. you have like the, the trailing of the knife where it does like, yeah. the, like the whooshies. Yeah. I just really like it because I feel like guns are almost cheating sometimes. Yeah. But when you actually have knife play that actually works, it's not just like, I'm going to stab you. He brought get a in there. knife to a gunfight. Brought knives to a gunfight. Sure. He has a lot of knives. Or they all brought guns to a knife fight? It's possible. I don't know. Either way, he won. He dominated. And he did kill Creedy with his bare hands. He does. Lifts him up real high and snaps his neck. I always, I thought it was going to be a strangulation thing. No, he, uh, he there's a time limit on the movie. He's like, oh, you're not going to die this way? All right. Crack. Crack. V is victorious. Eh. I see what you did It's a little alliteration. But he is severely wounded. Uh, mortally uh, wounded. You know, <laughs> That's different than severely. You get shot a lot. You're going to bleed. Everywhere? Things are going to go bad. Yes. But he makes it back to Evie. She couldn't have been very far. Right. But for what it's worth, Finch isn't very far either because he was down in this subway looking for them as well. Finch and he is... heard the single gunshot. He must have heard 
the insane amount of gunshots also. You would assume. But instead of going towards the gunfire, he goes towards the train. Right. He's like, I'm not going <laughs> I've inspected really well up until this point. And now I'm going to go to the wrong place that happens to be the right place. Right. For convenience sake. Before V dies, he tells Evie that he loves her because things that don't need to happen happen in this movie. They barely happen. <laughs> they barely happen. You can love in a platonic way. Yeah. She kisses his mask. It's weird. Yeah. It is a little weird, but- It's real weird. There's someone out there who likes that type of thing. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure. Finch arrives as Evie finishes placing V on the train, ready to send it toward Parliament. Viking style. And he uh, he puts a stop to- No, he lets her do it. Well, he even says, like, you know that what he's doing is right. You know this country needs hope, and you right. know this is what it's going to take in order to give this country hope. And Finch is that like- The country needs a lot more than just a building right now. But, like, I'm one of the shady dudes- Ah, he's not. He's not. He's never been no. one of the shady dudes in this entire movie. He is trying to. I mean, he was solve in the room, case. but that's all it was. But even the chancellor just like Finch, you bitch, right? You're an idiot. I don't like your feelings. The best part though is like when they're like, all the other guys are like, we're pretty sure they're going to come in from the air, and Finch is like, <laughs> I think it's going to be a train, and they're like, you're an idiot, Finch. You're a dumbass. You stupid. Stop playing with your train <laughs> sets. That's where you're getting this idea. Stupid from. Stupid Finch. Above the ground, thousands of citizens and Guy Fox masks. March towards Parliament. Receiving no orders, the military lets the crowd pass. And once again, Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture rings through the streets as Parliament explodes. It's very cool the way it blows up. Finch asks Evie to reveal V's identity, and she says, he was all of us. Don't even. You're going to break the table if you do it. You're, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it is heavy-handed when you put it that way. But... But all the stuff leading up to it makes it obvious. Not even heavy-handed, but obvious. Because right. even when he's getting lit up by all the bullets, they say, like, how? And he says, because I'm no man. I'm an idea, and ideas are bulletproof. Ideas are bulletproof. So it's kind of written cornily throughout this entire movie, the way how he gets on his soapbox. Yeah. He, he carries a soapbox with him everywhere he goes. He's like, oh, let me just unfold this soapbox real quick and stand up on there. And uh, Okay. Remember, remember. End. End movie. <laughs> That's it. End movie. That's the whole thing. All right. It sounds like a fucking jumbled mess when you put it all like that. It's it's not so jumbled when you watch it. There's so many flashbacks and flash forwards and right. flash sideways. And Make it very difficult to synopsize. Not a word. It's pretty good. But yeah, it's- It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's so difficult It works discuss. on screen. Yeah. It works great in a book, too, when the book is entirely different. Makes sense. So how did Alan Moore's vision differ from what happened in this movie? Uh, the theme is different. Okay. In the sense that this movie is more, what's the way to put it? Neoconservatism versus- Neoliberalism? I guess so. Or just liberalism? Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah. And in the book, it's more fascism versus anarchy. Okay. So it so is- like extremes. Yeah, the way Alan Moore put it was that they westernized it. Sure. Because that seems like the complaint that he would throw about for damn near anything. Well, yeah. He's a guy who whose vision of what's cool and suave is- I used to like your yo-yos until they were westernized. <laughs> what? Alan? What are you talking about? Westernized yo-yos are the worst. <laughs> you would play with one of those westernized hula hoops. <laughs> Back in my day, they were squares. Alan, what are you talking- You maniac! I want to see one of these square hula hoops. I bet you he was great at him. Probably. Mm. Alan Moore has got things he wants to say to the public about his views. And we've seen that time and time again. Oh, yeah. In like Watchmen, especially. Yeah. But here, it's so 
political. Very. It's very 1984. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I feel like you kind of get like a man in high castle. Yeah, it's got those vibes. Well. Yeah. That weird alternate future kind of, yeah. Sure. But it's also retro at the same time for reasons. It's one of those, it's timeless. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it makes sense that, to do it that way. But they I mean, also set it in a time, which is weird. It was a very specific time. I, I know in the book it's the late 90s. I want to say it's 97. Oh, okay. But then he didn't wait like 20 years in order to pull off this vendetta. It only took him like five. Yeah. So he got right to it. Yeah, this one takes place in 2032. Yeah, that's deep in the future. Because he even said 2015 was when the lesbian actress was doing her thing, Cal right. captured. That's, I guess, when the, the virus was released or something. Yeah, so even was, the movie was, that was like thinking. crazy to think, like, oh, 10 years from now. We're going to have lesbian actresses. <laughs> <laughs> what? What a weird time to live in. <laughs> what? Uh, what, 2005? <laughs> Uh, so there's so many differences, but not at the same time. There's a lot of things from the book, like panel wise, that translate directly to the movie. So it's a, a complete lift, like kind what? of like Zack Snyder. Oh yeah, like what he did when he made the panels just come to life. Sure, James McTeague does that in this. This is James McTeague's directorial debut too. Yeah, what an opener for him, right? Way to come out. Swinging. He just took on some serious content and made it into a pretty good movie. Yeah. And I guess the Wachowskis picked him. Well, they picked personally. him because he was an assistant director for a very long time. So he did some. Right. He did things like Dark City. Have, I don't know if you ever seen Dark City. No. Ooh, that's a good one. Is it dark? It's in a city as well. Uh huh. It's very cool because there's a lot of things about that movie that play off of. Well, The Matrix played off of ideas from that movie okay. as well. Yeah. It goes into the allegory of the cave type mindset. Oh. All that stuff. It, it's very cool the way it's done. Okay. Neat. He also did. Yeah, he did the Matrix. He did fresh off Matrix of it. Reloaded. He did Matrix Revolutions. Actually, fresh off. Those of are it. all first director things that he did. Uh, Dark City was second, but he also did Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones because. Oh, so he hung out with with not? Natalie then too. With Nats then, so <laughs> makes sense. And then he was sick and you director on Speed Racer, which oh. is a treat for the eyes. That is a you said that movie. Yeah. yeah. And since then, he's kind of just broken into TV a little more. So he had Marco Polo, that failed show, and then Sense Eight with JJ. Okay. So he's been around. He's doing but things. This is the one that just stands out. Hmm. What an undertaking in order to take this. And the Wachowskis handpicked him. Yeah. To do this. Yeah. How do you escape from the shadow of a movie like this? Because I, I noticed that his IMDb list for director is not long after this. It's not because it all goes TV and TV just takes time. It's right. episodic. That so, makes sense. What I think is crazy that the Wachowskis wrote this because, again, this is when they were hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say they stopped being hot probably after Speed Racer, right after that, 2008. It blows my mind that Alan Moore wanted nothing to do with this. And he got upset because he didn't get he didn't get to write it. Right. There was something about directing also that I saw, which I, I wouldn't want a, him behind a camera ever. Yeah. I guess at one point, uh, WB was attributing his enjoyment of the script or something like that. And he was like, that's not true. You better retract that right now. And when they didn't, he cut ties with DC. Just entirely. He was just like, I'm not doing cut comics anymore. For what DC. the hell, Alan? Yeah. So, like, he was really upset about this movie. He's really upset about everything. Oh, well, yeah. And all like... of his writing says it. He's one of my favorite comic book writers, which is crazy. <laughs> but he's such an angry guy. Don't take my stuff and try to change it. But also, don't recreate it panel for panel. I dare you to recreate this. I will make Sean Connery retire. I'll do it. <laughs> oh, that's a whole different league of 
extraordinary upsets. <laughs> I think the biggest change between the movie and the comic is the ending. It's massively different, and it changes the entire point. Really? So I think the reason why he kidnapped Evie or why he even brought her to the roof is because he needed a plant. He needed to pass it along, and I think that's kind of the wink to the comic. Sure. Because he does that with Evie as well in the comic. Uh, he kidnaps Evie, Evie escapes, does that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But when she comes back at the end of it, that's the whole capture thing as well, the whole fake jail. But when she comes back, V confronts Finch in the subway, mm-hmm. and Finch shoots him. Oh. Shoots him dead. Oh. Yeah. Mortally wounds him. He wanders his way back to Evie, says, I'm so fucking dead right now. So <laughs> you, so would you do what you got to do. How dead I am. And Evie puts on the mask. Oh. And Evie becomes V because, again, oh. it's the embodiment of ideas. It's not so much right. that this is a person. Huh. And then she ends up taking up her own Evie type character as well and does the whole act, if okay. you will. So it seems like it's the type of thing that just gets passed down. In the movie, she was the only one to not put on the mask. You're right. But she's also embodying everyone who did put on the mask. Right. Whereas I don't think that V embodies any of those folks. I think he embodies the ideas behind those folks. Yeah. He's such a complicated character. Very complicated. And it becomes even more complicated when you think of what Warner Brothers even did. How two years after the World Trade Center and September 11th and everything like that, they said, hey, let's make a movie where the terrorists blowing up buildings is going to be our main subject. Right. Wow. Just the, the, the nuts on them. That's crazy. And I then, didn't even put that together that it was that out, soon after. It's extremely soon after. Yeah. And I know that the British government even said, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, right. This is insane. Stop. No, this is insane. Well, there were issues with the British government with this movie. Well, they ended up closing down, was it Trafalgar Square? Yeah. To do the final scene? Uh, so they could shoot around Parliament. So people were getting curious how the production was able to shoot around the Parliament buildings. And it turns out that Tony Blair's son, Ewan, was a runner for the production company. And Stephen Fry was like, oh, yeah, because of him, we got all sorts of... And it became a whole political thing. Like, oh, yeah, yeah crazy. Yeah. Uh, but then the, the, It's the, all about who you know. The production was also like, no, we spent like seven, nine months talking to all these different places so we could get the permissions to shoot here. And I don't know what's true. I sincerely don't know what's oh, okay. true for that I, one. I was hoping. No, <laughs> something like that is, I mean, the most I've been a part of in terms of filming was filming in Times Square and shutting down parts of Times Square. Yeah. And it's difficult to do, and I it takes a lot of negotiation. Belief that. Also, it was one of the silliest things that a director of photography has ever requested, how we were in there, and we were just about to roll, and he asked if we could turn down some of the billboards. <laughs> <laughs> to which my boss went, is that a fucking joke? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, can we can we just turn you see down the gap? The can we can we turn the gap? Just make the gap a little bit darker. That'd be great. Yeah, thank just... you. I don't care about their fall sale. Just thank you. <laughs> yeah, can we get? Can we put the dimmers on the Coke there? The Coca Cola. <laughs> can, can we make it? Make, just make it a Coke Zero ad for just for like a, a day. <sighs> but it's extremely difficult. It takes time. Yeah. This obviously takes a hell of a lot more time because you can't film in government places for the most part. No, they could only it's shoot between big midnight no-no. and 4.30 in the morning. Right. Uh, that's and not even a lot then, of time. <laughs> even then, they could only stop traffic for four minutes at a time. That's a lot. That is still a lot of time is it? to do it. Yeah, that's a lot of time. Usually, okay. you have the cops on your ass going like, come on, come on, come on. Huh. But even to have that many extras and do that, man. That's a lot, yeah. I want to talk about Inspector Finch for a second. Okay. I think he's the most interesting character in this movie. Stephen Ree. Yeah. I don't think V is very interesting. I agree. He's he's more of an idea. There. He's not even a person. 
<laughs> just a burned up boy. That's it. But well, that's why his skull is so red. Of course. Point Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but Inspector Finch is interesting because he actually legitimately wants to figure out what this is about. He doesn't want to spin it. Right. He doesn't care about like what the government's saying and what they're passing along to the news network saying, oh, say this instead, say this instead. He says, why don't we just go after this guy? Right. Instead of trying to pretend everything's fine. You're openly saying that there's a terrorist code named V out there. Let's find this guy. Yeah. No one else is looking for him except for Finch in Which this is entire movie. Crazy. And Finch's buddy, Dominic Stone. Right. Finch does some serious detective work. He's like the best Bruce Wayne I've seen so far. Yeah, once he figured out that there was like a Lark Hill connection, he's trying to figure out what is Lark Hill. Right. And no one is answering what Lark Hill is. Like, he uh... goes, all right, this is something. Let's look at this a little further. And he starts seeing all these names pop up. He says, well, we know all the victims. And now, obviously, the doctor is the only one on the list who's left. So, obviously, next victim. Got to go see that doctor. Right. But I found it crazy how he says that he went to Lark Hill in this. Yeah. And that's a really big part of the comic is Finch going to Lark Hill. Really? Because he drops LSD. Oh. Because he wants to get into the terrorist mind and try to figure out what the deal is here. <laughs> okay. And even hints at that, how he starts going through. He's like, yeah, and I started seeing the future in the past. And like, this is in the movie. He's like, I right. see the future in the past right. and all this stuff. And I like how this is going to play out. And this happened. And this is what really it is. And this is all the conspiracy behind it. The government. Blah, blah, blah. And then his buddy asked him, he's like, is that all? Like, do you actually know what's going to happen? He says, no. It's, no. Just, it's just a hunch. And it made me think, no. like, did they just hint that he dropped the LSD from the comic a little bit? It sounds like it. That's crazy to me, though, because that scene is so weird. It's a very weird scene, especially with all the flashes of the the past and the things that do happen later in the movie. And then one scene in particular that doesn't happen in the movie. Right, right, right. Well, he even gets all the information from Rockwood, who happens to be V in disguise. Right. But even when that's all happening, he eats it all up, nom, 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 info. Yeah. But then when he realizes that Rockwood is just another name. For V. For V. Someone else, not even for, oh, for, me, right, for, for someone else who was found dead in the water. If he took the identity for a hot second, yeah, he's like, Oh, he fucked us. And then he's like, All right, well, I believe him still. <laughs> it's like, ah, God damn I don't it, understand but, what's happening, but now. also maybe <laughs> I don't know, I'm not sure. Maybe, I do know maybe that he's just a good ass detective. Uh, maybe if he was a good ass detective, he didn't know the guy Fox backstory, even though it's incorrect. Ginger Skull Dave Novak pointed that out to me. Oh, yeah, that was his biggest gripe about this movie is Guy Fawkes wasn't very political. Guy Fawkes was also a patsy. He wasn't even the oh, really? brains behind it. Oh, that's no. kind of hilarious. Uh, they used the three names in this for the other conspirators. Rockwood, Keys, and whoever the other guy was. Huh. They were the other conspirators. Oh, that, whoever all, the other guy was. That's the one. It's pretty much like the other guy from Nirvana. Yeah. Like the bassist from Nirvana. <laughs> it's the other guy. Not Dave Grohl, not Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Beats me. Yeah, but Guy Fawkes was just a... He was, his job was to watch the gunpowder underneath Parliament, That's and it? he couldn't do it right. He got caught, and Guy Fawkes never even made it to the gallows. Come on, in man. all this stuff, he he got convicted of conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. And then, and I want to say, I read it the other day, and I, and I want to say that on his way up to the gallows, he fell and broke his neck. Stop it! So he never even made it there. Like this guy is a fucking clown of what? of a hero on Guy Fawkes Day, whatever it is. It's, I don't know. It's pronounced Guy Fawkes Day. Guy Fawkes Day. <laughs> So it's just interesting that he's the one who kind of gets the love for all of this. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but it made I didn't know any of that. But he yeah, he wasn't even again, he wasn't political. He fell into some sort of Christian underground because Catholicism was right looked down upon, but he even fought with the English in Spain for something or other. Eight years war, I think it was. Or something like that. When he came back, 
that's when he got political. Hmm. So this wasn't even a political thing. It was a, a more Catholic thing. He was just kind of hanging out. Right, like a Catholic zealot. And they're like, we're going to go We're gonna go take out the king. And he's like, I got nothing better to do today. No, I'm going to go watch this. Co- oh, you're all here too. Okay. <laughs> Gunpowder, man. I do think it's interesting, though, that, hear me out, is that that's public knowledge that that's who Guy Fawkes was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Patsy. Huh. But in here, they make him more of the hero. Yeah. Almost but, a martyr. Almost a martyr. But this whole entire story is about, for lack of a better term, fake news <laughs> and controlling the media and controlling perceptions. Yeah. Like what's actually there. How the reality of things is so buried that you can't really get to it. Right. So I'm wondering if our narrator here, it's not really V, but it kind of is because he's the only one who really gives us the Guy Fox backstory. Yeah. Finch kind of hints at it. Also, he recognizes that he knows who it is. But I'm wondering if V tells us this story, the background of Guy Fawkes, incorrectly as a way in order to skew his own message a little bit. Because maybe he's that kind of unknown. Yeah. That the perception of him is that this is who he was, is that this was the plan. And I wonder if V is giving us this information in order to make us feel this way. A false narrative to kind of guide us in a certain direction. To kind of push his prerogative for this whole story. Because V is, he's a terrorist. Right. He's an absolute terrorist. Right. But he's also not, he's an anti-hero. He's not even a a true hero in this whole thing. So it just, I don't know. It makes me curious if that's what is possibly happening here. Even at one point when they're in the, what is his place called again? Shadow Gallery. The Shadow Gallery. The Shadow! There's a scene where Evie is cleaning off a mirror or a, a tray of some sort that has a Latin phrase on it. Vivere universum vivis vici. Something to the sort. I heard last week that you took three years of Latin. Three. Wasted. If I was in Latin class, those all would have been pronounced as W's. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> which means, by the power of truth, I, while living, have conquered the universe. Which V attributes to Faust, but it's actually Aleister Crowley. So that's him, again, messing with reality. Yeah. Unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. And Faust is completely different from Crowley. Yeah, yeah. Crowley's I, an occultist. I mean. I don't know. I know the names. I don't know anything behind them. So I just kind of take it as what it is in this thing. And I feel like that's kind of the idea is that people just kind of take these things for what they are. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Not saying right or wrong here, but just some more food for thought. Just things to think about that even in this very heavy handed political narrative that your narrator isn't exactly telling the whole truth. Right. I think without talking about V further as a person, I kind of want to do super stuff. Okay. I think it's a good idea. Starting with setting. You sound like you're from London. It it looks like London. It looks like London in the future slash past. Smells like London? I think it probably would smell like London if I was there. But I'll go I'm not, one. Let's go one. I think one is the right answer there. Silent tone. I'm leaning one. I am two. But it, I, don't, I don't feel right about it for some reason, um, because I feel like the, the style is very much there. I was going to say, style but is I also, great. I think that the knife scene at the end is where the style leaves me a little bit, because it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. You're right. It's very different from the rest of it. But the tone itself is there throughout. Tone is pretty consistent. And I'm not going to punish this movie for having one scene that feels removed, but it sort of isn't at the same time. Right. Yeah. I'll go one. One, I think it is. Hero. Who's the hero? There's none. Finch. Not even Evie? Not even Evie, because Evie is blowing up Parliament. <laughs> this thing. That's true. 
I don't think there's but a But it's a symbol. It is a symbol. It's the, just a building. V is, oh boy. I'm going to go 0.25. Yeah. Just because V does have a reason for what he's doing. This is, again, not a superhero movie in the sense. But right, right. It's a comic book movie. It's sure. a comic book movie. It's DC adjacent. He has this mission that he sets himself on and he goes through with it. He doesn't know he fulfilled it. Right. Because of, of the death. Right. That'll do it every time. Every time. Ah, damn it. But he's an anti-hero. He's not a hero. Right. Yeah, 0.25 I think is, is I think it's pretty fair. Fair. Villains. They're a one. They're real bad people. And they're constantly trying to alter everyone else's minds and yeah, trying to control doing everything. Real bad things. And there's so many of them. There are so many bad guys in this thing. And they're all real bad. The, yeah, even the bishop is like the worst character in the movie. Yeah, he likes role play with little girls. Gross. Gross. I kind of want to go one. Yeah, I think we should go it's, one for villains. There's so many. And John Hurt's great. And John Hurt is a He's just treasure. yelling the whole time. He's so good. But it's like not overdone. He's a sir, right? Sir John Hurt? Is he? I he should be if he's not. You know what? I'll take it up with the queen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's a sir. Female characters. Evie. Evie. She's fine. And also Evie. She's totally fine in this movie. Valerie Page. Fine. Yeah, she doesn't do much. So uh, write a note on toilet paper that Evie apparently takes doc- nine sessions to read a toilet paper. Note. Right? It's one. No, maybe sense. she just keeps rereading it. I don't know. For I'll, hope. Maybe, but. That's what the S stands for, Dave. That's, you're right. This, she wrote many S's uh, on that piece of toilet paper. Evie's fine. She eventually goes through with the plan at the end of it. Yeah. She gets broken throughout this. She is the biggest arc in the entire movie. It's right. really her movie. Oh, big time. I'll go I'll go 0.5 for I think, Evie. I think this is high as I don't as feel can go. great about going lower because yeah. Natalie Portman's doing a lot of work in this movie. And she's great. She is very good in this movie. And she shaved her head. 0. 0.75. The, <laughs> no, I think we're thinking 0. 0.5. <laughs> Story and motivation. It's a very good story. The story that's been is told good. before, and yeah, the whole government did this and they have the antidote, right? But the motivation's interesting because it's revenge. It's, it is revenge, but it's not even that. It's just a personal revenge story. It's also a right. public revenge story. Mm, that's true. In the sense, huh. so I kind of like the motivation. Motivation from is v. good. Yeah. I'll go 0.75 because it is kind of a jumbled mess in points. Now, we did say that yeah. this is Evie's movie. Yeah. What is her motivation? I think her motivation is that she has nothing left to lose, that her life is kind of shit wall to wall. She's just getting coffee for people at this broadcast studio. Sure, yeah. She doesn't have anything to lose. She finally has hope, and she actually has a curiosity and wants an education. And when she gets to the Shadow Gallery, she starts developing that. Right. But she also has a small bit of education because her mother read her Macbeth as a child, and she yes. points that out. She's actually able to keep up with V. In some of this stuff. Yeah. And I think V respects her for that. Right. Of like, oh, thank God you're not a dum-dum. Oh, good. This I was is... worried for a second that I kidnapped an idiot. Yeah, this is great. This is... You'll be a great protege. Evie, darling, have you ever read Twilight? No? Oh, oh good. Oh. oh, okay. And her name is conveniently almost mine. He makes a joke about that. <laughs> says, E-V. Appropriate. <laughs> I appreciate that he recognizes how ridiculous that is. Yeah. So for story and motivation. I want to go 0.75. I think that is that fair. The narrative being jumbled up, I feel like, hurts this movie a little bit. A little bit. Music. I didn't notice it. You didn't? Not really too much. There, I mean, obviously, I think the Tchaikovsky part is very The Tchaikovsky is, is very, I mean, as far oh, as music goes. Oh, you know what? Goes, the rooftop scene where she gets out from being captured yes. is really, really good. Yes. Isn't this an Academy Award nominee? I don't know if it is or not. I'm looking at my DVD case for this thing because I remember seeing Yeah. It's 
Dario Marianelli. Yes. I don't think he gets a fucking butt. No, he doesn't. But there's a really interesting thing I read about that for a lot of the musical themes, when it's written out, they form the letter V, the notes themselves on the on the on the staff. Wow, they went the whole way with that thing, which is great, specifically in the 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 dominoes. The domino scene is scene. fantastic, it's like and it's the, visually stunning. It's totally unnecessary, but it's, it's such uh, a cool. It's not unnecessary scene. because that's the point where I realize, like, oh, this was entirely filmed heavy-handedly. This entire movie, because he's talking about how the, all the pieces are lined up and right. setting up dominoes. <laughs> Do you get it, Brian? Twenty-two. Do you get it? Twenty-two thousand dominoes that took two hundred hours to set up for one scene that was narratively unnecessary, but looked really good. It looked great. It was an awesome scene. It looked great, and it sounded great. Yeah, uh, I'll go point five. I like all the jukebox stuff too. Though. The jukebox stuff is really cool. But still, I'll go point five. Also, you'll notice that all of the songs in the jukebox they spell out the letter V when they're laid sideways on a Thursday. No, they're all number five. Oh come on, movie! <laughs> yeah, this is the most heavy-handed movie we had so far. Yeah, we might have to rethink the Favreau salute. Wow, to the McTeague salute. The Tchaikovsky stuff is really good, though. It's very good. It's very appropriate. And it and when it starts, you're like, oh! Yeah, you know time. something's going down. So what are we thinking for music? Point 0.5. Point I think it's pretty safe. It's very good. It's not great in my mind. Okay. Impact on the genre. The movie did pretty well. It did okay. It did all right. In the box office. On a $54 million budget. I mean, opening weekend, it made half it back. Yeah. But then it only made 132 mil worldwide. Right. And you got to figure for marketing- didn't really do great. Probably not. And what impact did it actually have? I know it's high up on the list on like the IMDb top 250, which I think is bananas. Yeah. Um, but has anything come of it? Not really. Other than like anonymous? That's pretty big. <laughs> That's pretty big. I'll give you that. But is that the genre? No. No, it's not the genre. This this hasn't done a whole lot for the comic book genre. Except made Alan Moore real mad. Yeah. Which is worth something. That is worth something. It didn't stop another Alan Moore movie from getting made. No, but it made him quit DC. Yeah, which is big for just comic books in general. But, I mean, the comic book movie kind of exploded after this thing at the same time. Right. But it was Marvel. This is right that around the time where it was, it was right was around, like... actually, Batman Begins was yeah. beginning. I, I don't even know how to justify this movie in terms of the genre. I kind of want to go maybe 0. .25. 0.25? That sounds right. And a lot of people like this movie. Do you think that but that doesn't mean it made an impact on the genre? <laughs> do you think Snyder did Watchmen as like a shot-for-shot shot remake because of how much Alan Moore hated this movie? No, I think he did it because it was the only way to do it. Yeah, it because Alan too. Moore is so good at telling a story visually. Yeah, that maybe there isn't a better way to do it, and they throw the respect that wow. way. Wow, wow, that's big ups for Alan Moore right He's there. He's very, very good at what he does. I think point two five is is the most fair. Sure, for impact. Parents. I don't know. We got nothing. Are we talking about EV or V? I think we got to kind of talk for V. Oh, then we know, we know nothing about V. We know v. nothing about it. If we go EV, then she has dead parents. We know she has dead parents. I bet it's V's story, but it's EV's story. Whose story is it? Whose story is it? It's both their stories? It is, and they, they're so intertwined. 0.25. I think that's, I, that's, that's diplomatic. EV dead parents, and I don't know how to justify things anymore. Sure. This we'll, movie is breaking us. We'll be diplomatic about because it. Because of how convoluted the ideas within it are yeah one-liners i'm gonna go one 
Yeah? Yeah, I really like a lot of these lines, how you have the entire V speech at the beginning. Which, oh, that that's not so much a, pissed me off. It's not so much a one-liner as it is a mouthful of V it letters. It was irritating. Yeah, a little bit. And pretentious. The pretentious part was when he carves the V into the sign. So maybe oh, I'm not so, wrong. All right, Zorro. But the ideas of bulletproof line is great. Oh, yeah, that is good. As is, a revolution without dancing is a revolution not worth having. It's another very, very good line. I also like how he pushes the irony of Evie asking who a man in a mask actually is. Like, why are you going to ask that? Yeah. I'm wearing a mask for a reason. I'm wearing a mask. What are you, you're being silly, girl. What are, you, what are you thinking? But I also like how there's one line in the middle of this thing where after V shows Evie the Count of Monte Cristo and he finishes it and, and she says that she felt sorry like for one of the characters within it. Yeah. And V asks, like, why? And she says, because he cared more about revenge than he did about her. Oh. And I feel like that was a slight that Evie kind of took that never really developed into anything. Yeah. And it's one of those more subtle lines in the movie, but I feel like it's a pretty important line. It's not going to count as a one line. That can't. That's no. nothing. No, that's... All right, I'll come down. I'll go 0.5. 0.5? Cut that thing in half. Bam. England prevails. Just just veed it. I sure did. Sling. That's going to give- It's a weird movie, Brian. It's very this weird. It's a really weird movie. Super weird. I don't even feel comfortable talking about it because of all the eggshells. There's so many eggshells. My feet are starting to hurt. This is ridiculous. But yeah, V for Vendetta is going to get a 6 out of 10. Fine. Very appropriate spot for it. Fine. So that's what we think of this thing. What do you think Rotten Tomatoes thinks of this thing? 1 to 100. Oh, I don't even know where to start with this one. I'm just going to say 50. 72%. Okay. I like how you took the, the cheap way out. Audience scores 90%, though. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty big. And this actually does fall on our list of top 72 superhero movies on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Where do you think it falls? Uh, 32. 57. Yeah, so yeah. Which is pretty wild. Off the mark today. Yeah, because we haven't done it in so long because we've been talking <laughs> about garbage movies. The sandwich for it is crazy because in front of it at number 56 is The Wolverine. Oh, boy. And right behind it is The Mask. Oh, that's company. Definitely respect for the mask, if anything. <laughs> it's respect for the Wolverine, too, I would assume. I would assume. But the general consensus of this movie is visually stunning and thought-provoking. V for Vendetta's political pronouncements may rile some, but its story and impressive set pieces will nevertheless entertain. It is a beautiful movie. Roger Ebert did see this movie. On account of being alive. Yes. We give him a lot of shit for being dead sometimes, so I want to give him props he, he for being alive, alive for He did an alive one. one. He gave it three to four stars. Okay. There's nothing in this review worth reading because he just talked about the movie. He was like, it was a movie. Went, no, he literally says, it is the year 2020. A virus runs wild in the world. That's Most Americans right. are dead. And Britain is ruled by a fa uh, fascist dictator who promises security but not freedom. One man standing. He's literally just going, this is what happens in this movie. should have let him do the synopsis. So instead of going through the synopsis of this thing again, like the Ebes did, Amazon. Amazon. We got some angry people. Oh, I bet we do. We sure do. Um, on Amazon, this thing does have 4.6 out of 5 stars from 2070 reviews. Okay. 79% are 5 star, 4% are 1 star. 4%. So people like this movie quite a bit. Yeah. From August 6th, 2018, for those interested in destruction but with no conception of what follows. They wanted what happens after the climax of the movie they sure did they, they're like all right so the whole point of this movie is to get to this point and then they want to know what happens after that wait for v for vendetta 2 even vendetta -er. 
I don't know. What what more is there to say? The story was told. What happens now? But um, what has to happen now? They openly said it. When this building goes as kablooey, then you got hope, folks. Right. You got hope. You got hope. I uh, hopes. I don't know. Uh, some people just some people just want more. More of a good Some thing. people just want to know what happens after they watch the world burn. <sighs> <laughs> From August 15th, 2018. Alan Moore never examines the reasons motivating individuals to become consumed by the pursuit of power. The undesirable behaviors can never be curtailed unless the underlying causes of the behaviors are discerned. Oh, this is a smart person. Uh, I'm going to go pseudo-smart, because some of these folks tried to talk down to this movie in a way that lifts them up, Uh in a way. Sure. And some of them don't make any sense. Intellectual. With this one, all he could have said was, I just don't think Alan Moore did a very good job with character development. But Alan Moore wasn't attached to the movie. Right. Alan Moore had nothing to do with this movie. So way to go, bud. Hmm. Point taken, but dismissed. (laughs) From July 22nd, 2007. Very good. Though strange in that the star wears a mask throughout. Uh, (laughs) This is a great movie. But the dude never takes the mask off. Who's the dude under there? Who's the dude under there? What you hiding there? I don't Hugo? even know. I don't even know that it's Hugo weaving hot off the Matrix. I don't even know that it's sometimes James Purefoy who left this movie six weeks six in. Six weeks in, and they're just like, reshoot it? Nah, fuck that. We don't have to. He's got a mask on. He's wearing a mask. We're going to dub it anyway. Doesn't matter. Yeah, fuck it. Leave him in there. You know what? Hugo even probably looked at that and went, they called me a star? <laughs> <laughs> you can't even see my face in this. Oh, that's all it took. <laughs> From September 4th, 2018. I cannot get past the mask, the hair, and the hat. If this were a comedy movie, it would make sense. But I just can't understand how people can take this movie seriously. Is he a superhero? If so, it's lacking the comic book vibe I think most other comic book movies are able to convey. Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy successfully gives a dark comic book vibe. There's no fun factor to watching this, so I'm forced to watch it as a serious movie. But I just can't take the mask, the bad hat, and the ridiculous hairdo seriously. <laughs> what is this movie trying to be serious or something? I can't. My problem is. All right. The mask is goofy looking. The hair is awful. The hat is silly. The hair's a, there's a wig also, though. Yeah, but it's still silly. So? Uh, exactly so. This mask is goofy looking, but it's also one of the most iconic masks to come out of film history at this Absolutely. Point. Second only to the mask. Without a doubt. <laughs> I, what is this person? Hey, if you're going to make a serious comic book movie. It better be Christopher Nolan or don't even bother. Leather bat suit or I'm out. <laughs> I can't suspend my disbelief unless it's got a cowl that they ordered a ton of pirates for. Of course. Of course. And they explain it. And there's even a scene where they smash it and go, oh, guess I got to buy new ones. V's, V's mask wouldn't smash. I think it was bulletproof. Unrealistic. If they're trying to be serious, why are they making him look so not serious? Oh, this guy also goes on a little farther. Oh, does he, he says, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle weapon Stop somehow it. being able to defeat every bad guy with a gun and the pretentious stoic personality really amplify my inability to get past the look. He can't get off of the look. It's the look. You can say everything you want about the, the weapons... That's a superhero thing. He brings knives to a gunfight and wins. Sure, I would even argue that V's not even in this movie that much. Right, so how distracting can it possibly be? And he only wears the hat half the time, so that's... That's right. I don't know. Really gets good look at those those bangs. People in this world. From May 9th, 2018. This movie is an oxymoron. 
Its premise is that we need to stand against a government that forces its wills upon us by forcing us to live in the way that it sees fit. It does this by forcing us to live moral lives and oppressing those who want to live in perversion. The problem is that what our government actually is doing is forcing us to accept perversion and oppressing those who want to live moral lives. That's a story that would have been actually realistic. I don't I don't want to touch that one. Nope, that's the right <laughs> move. What I find wild is that he's upset because it doesn't reflect modern times in a sense, or at least his version of modern times. Yeah. It's how place in... a, a piece of fiction isn't realistic enough for him. <laughs> how dare you flip things from the way I see it and make a fiction movie based on things that aren't real. Right. And I understand the politics behind it. Right. And I'm going to get through a couple of those. Okay. Because they are important for this movie. They are. From November 29th, 2014. I think it's also important for the date to actually matter for once in these yeah. things, for where things fall. Yeah. The last one did fall in 2018. This one falls in 2014. Okay. Good entertainment ruined by left-wing politics. A vehicle for liberal BS ideals, subliminal messages throughout touting all causes of the left. I don't know how he thinks these are subliminal. Subliminal? Hardly. <laughs> Why can't we just have a good DC comic story for entertainment? This was in 2014? Nope, you're right. No good DC comic movies. In Why the attempt at political brainwashing and some not so subtle attempts like the parallel between Hitler's Nazis and conservatism? Wasn't subtle. There's no, There's no subtleties no, in this movie. No subtle. No subtlety. This movie could have been great. Good guy killing bad guys. Very disappointing to our entire family that gather around the flat screen to watch. Ooh, look at me. I've got a flat screen. It's 2014. You're not going to be like, guess what, guys? And there are no curves on my tube. Guess it's a flat what tube. I got. <laughs> LCD. Guess how I watch this movie. I plugged it on HDMI wire, you fucking nerd. <laughs> Stop sticking your beliefs down my throat through my flat screen. Oh, God. From November 24th, 2017. 2017. Oh. I love Natalie Portman, but I wouldn't recommend this film. They don't tell you in the description that this movie is propaganda for radical left sexual identity politics. Don't watch it. and Don't let your children watch it. Come on, guys. They don't tell you in the description, Brian. They didn't tell you that this was propaganda. That's what I'm saying. Come on, guys. Get your propaganda. Whoever did the marketing on this right movie out front needs to put the propaganda in there. Like, listen. Let everyone know what they're getting themselves into. All... Look, all these people are asking for is a little trigger warning. That's it. That's exactly and everything's going to say. Like, hey, let us know. The tagline for this movie, you're going to love Natalie Portman, but also... Lefty propaganda. Propaganda. (laughs) (laughs) Just got to put a warning. Surgeon General warning, P for propaganda. I can't believe this movie tried to depict people as people. (laughs) How dare you, movie? (laughs) From January 4th, 2017, this person listened to our last episode where we talked about Roger Ebert a lot because they wrote, hated, hated, hated this movie, as in (laughs) hated it. Not interesting, not debatable, not anything other than annoying. You never see the face of the protagonist. He leads a nation to revolution. You don't get to see what he looks like. Yuck. Uh, They didn't understand the entire point of this movie that he just represents an idea. He's an idea. That's it. His identity does not matter. He's all of us. Right. And even when Evie tries to take off the mask at the end, he says, you don't want to do that. I look like Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool. Don't. I look at her, it's yuck. Yuck. <laughs> I didn't get to see his face, yuck. I don't get it. I just don't, I don't understand folks anymore, people. people. From October 13th, 2015. Title, Terrible as Murders. 
He writes, V for Vendetta is a terrible person saving a woman is... Oh, boy. It's one of those. Yes. V for Vendetta is a terrible person saving a woman is one thing, but to save her, he has to kill police with knives. Those of you who think he is good, you should be ashamed of yourselves because he only kills people with the government. My parents say he is good, but is doing bad things, which is not true. He is a terrible psychopath. Watch the movie again and you will see how bad he is. I am so very glad that Vendetta dies at the end of the movie. I just fucking hope he doesn't come back to life. <laughs> oh, wow. That that was... My parents said he's bad. Or my parents said he's good. He's good, but he does bad things. But, but no, he's bad. bad. He's so bad. He's so bad. Look at him. He does so much bad. He's doing the knife stuff with to the, the bad. police. To the government, who's good guys. Oh, government's movies. always good guys. Everybody knows that. Everyone knows that. God. Terrible as murders. I really hope Vendetta doesn't come back. He <laughs> <laughs> should just wrote, I got nothing from this. I would and... love to read a movie written by that guy. <laughs> and then Vendetta came back. Terrible as murders, the movie. Terrible as murders. The last one I have is from November 30th, 2012. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. I left... The main character making V's over and over crushed me. Mm-hmm. I know this is a weak review. I just had to put it in my one star on this one. I only hate one other action movie this much, which is Face Off with Nicolas Cage. What? He kept saying Face Off to make sure you got it. V for Vendetta? Are you sure? I was thinking it was an S. V? Really? Can you repeat that again? It was painful. The V means hope. <laughs> It literally does, this fucking movie. (laughs) Oh, Oh, what can you do? Man, this movie, man. I can't watch the movie called V for Vendetta because they make too many Vs. (laughs) So many Vs. Don't ever show that guy Zorro. No, he's going to get so angry at the letter V in that movie. What's with all the Zs? (laughs) We get it. It's the same guy who was like, you know my least favorite scene in Hot Tub Time Machine was? (laughs) (laughs) Time Machine? (laughs) When Craig Robinson looks at the camera and says, hot tub time machine and winks. Oh, that's so good, though. It's great. It's so good. The best part of the movie is when they say the name uh, of the movie. Why would that be? Why would that make you mad? I don't know. Everyone's waiting for it. Everybody. Gets you all fired. You're like, uh? He said it. It's going to treats it like Pee Wee's Playhouse. Word of the day. You said the word. <laughs> Thanks, zombie. <laughs> oh, boy. I Someone just crashed their car. I think his name is my dad. Whoopsie. <laughs> What are we talking about next week? Next week, we are talking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Oh, we're back in the yeah. MCU. I didn't do any fancy shenanigans leading nope. up to it. I just dropped it. No, nope, but this is one of the goodies. This it is, is. I've only seen it once, and I don't remember much. So. Same same writers as Infinity War and Endgame. Neato. So. It's very exciting. So thanks for listening. Throw us a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cape Podcasters. And you can send us any questions or comments you have to capepodcasters at gmail.com. Also, keep listening to the end of every episode for the post credits. They're there on every single episode. Do we still do that? Every single episode. Every one. Every single one. It's been on every single one. So I guess we'll see you next week for Captain America, The Winter Soldier. There are so many colons in comic book movie titles. It's it's obnoxious, really. But we'll see you here for that one. Same pod time. Same. Pod V. It means hope. <laughs> <laughs>
So, Brian, that's Beef for Vendetta. What do you think happens post-credits? I think after the credits roll, we zoom out of the TV watching the credits, and we're in a living room in Quahog, Rhode Island. <laughs> and Peter's sitting there on the couch going, holy crap, I think I remember, remember that. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That would be so not meta and meta at the same time for no reason at yeah. all, except for on this show. But then we flash back <laughs> to 1605, and we see Guy Fox standing there with the gunpowder. Oh, boy. And he's really got to pee. And he goes, hey, hey, can can you watch this gunpowder for me for a second? And Peter goes, oh, absolutely. What the hell's wrong with you? I don't know. Dave, what do you think happens? <laughs> I think what happens is we're on the set of a TV show. It's not just any TV show. It's a children's TV show. Okay. And the producers are talking to a, a blue character, and they said, Cookie Monster, listen. Just listen. You're Veggie Monster now. We've gone over this before. It's V is for vegetable. You have to sing it. And he said, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to That's ridiculous. I'll kill you all. I'll kill. I'll sing it. I'll sing it. Fine. <laughs> and they call action. He goes, V is for Vendetta. That's good enough for me! It's real dark. It's a real dark take on Sesame Street. (laughs) 